Good evening, fellow Roto Lounge regulars. This is Brad Starks coming to you live from the Roto Lounge. As always, this will be available to watch via my Patreon page. Find me there, patreon.com Roto Lounge. The audio version will be available on podcast. Find me on the podcast at Roto Lounge, YouTube Roto Lounge, Twitter Roto Lounge, anywhere and everywhere you go, it's at Roto Lounge. Tonight we're going to talk about running backs. But before we do that, before we get into running backs, it's time to pop some whiskey. I'm about to crack a bottle for you. If you don't want to hear about the whiskey, just fast forward just a tad. And we'll be talking about fantasy football. For those that want to stick around and listen to some whiskey samples, I'm about to crack this. Foolproof 1792 single barrel select that I picked up in Florida at Sarasota Wine and Spirits. Now, 1792 is a bourbon that's bottled uh, by Barton 1792 Distillery in Bartstown, Kentucky. I've actually been there. It's like basically the size of a gift shop. Me and my wife went there, and I was like, hmm, this looks cool. Let's go in. Literally, you walk in, they have 35 of the exact same 1792 bottle that you can get at the store and some T-shirts and some candles. I'm like, what the is this? The distillery's not there. There's there's nothing there. Nothing. So anyways, that's my story. But I got the 1792 foolproof single barrel select in Ohio. Uh, we don't have individual store picks, state picks. So anytime I travel and I can go into some uh, liquor stores that are popular that have barrel selects, uh, I like to get my hands on those. All right, that popping you here is that that's the plastic I'm trying to get off the bottle. To hear that, but you know, this thing is popping fresh. All right, let's see how this thing pops. All right, oh gosh, that's a tight cork. Ooh. All right, so I have it several different ways. This bad boy is coming in at a, it seems coming in at 125 proof. This is not for the light of hearts. All right, so I got three ways to drink. I'm going to drink in my Glencairn. I got my little handy dandle, handy dandy water dropper that you guys know me of if you listen to my bourbon collection podcast. And then I have a glass with some ice in case I need to bring that proofing down from 125. Oh, it's got a really pleasant nose. Cherry and honey. Mm, cherry, honey, cinnamon, oak. 
Man, it smells really good. 125 proof. I cannot wait to see. It's like, here we go. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Ooh, burns. But it's a smooth, sweet, almost tastes like a fruit roll-up. Just kind of lays on your tongue, injects you with some fruit sensation. I don't know if that's like grape or raspberry. Some type of fruit all over my tongue. Sweet. The sides burn like rye. This is a damn good one. Damn good one. Yes. Now, I've never had any of the 1792 bourbons before. I see I see the one all the time. It might be this foolproof. I see one all the time. I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to wait till I can find a special one. I know there's a single barrel, foolproof. Uh, I think there's an age statement. Uh, I think there's a bunch of different ones, but this is the foolproof ball and bond um, or, or barrel pick, not ball and bomb. Mm, the second sip wasn't as good as the first one. Mm, now it's a little, it's a little harsh now, a little harsh. First one was man. The first one was great. I'm not sure what happens. I'm gonna let me get my, my water dropper out here. Some water. Kind of bring that proofing down a little bit. All right, let's get into talking some fantasy football rookie running backs. We're gonna do the running backs today. I'll do wide receivers later. Uh, I got my pre-draft rankings. Rankings 1 through 15, got some high-end comps, low-end comps. But before I get into that, I, I want to kind of talk to you guys about something that maybe can help you prepare for your NFL rookie draft. When you're drafting, and if you want to be a better dynasty player, when you're drafting, you cannot just be focused on the current class. So you can't be getting ready for your rookie draft and only think about this class. You have got to understand what the next year or the second year out from now, or even long, long case scenarios um, further than three years out, because you want to know what prospects are coming into the league so that you can plan your strategy accordingly. If you're drafting for need every year and you're not drafting for the best player on the board, then that means that you're behind the eight ball. You're not ahead. You need to be able to draft best players available and build your team with studs. Okay. Once you start chasing picks for need, you're probably on a losing team. So if you're going in a super flex league and you say, I have to have a quarterback, that means you did not draft very well. You should be going into a super flex league saying a quarterback would be icing on the cake. If a running back's better, I'll take the running back. If the receiver's better, I'll take the receiver. We can talk uh, about as early as last year. Um, some people I talked to were telling me, take Tua Tagovailoa early in super flex drafts. 
he is the best prospect in the class. And I was like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. Do not draft Tua Tagovailoa in Superflex. We were talking about, from my perspective, the injury situation. You probably wouldn't have him his rookie year. And if you did, it'd be very, very few games. In his second year, uh, he would just be seeing the field. And to his second year, the rookie draft class is much stronger at quarterback. So when you have a strong class like the 2020 class, the top heavy of running backs with Jonathan Taylor, elite, elite type potential at the top of the draft, players like Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins. When you have a draft class, that top heavy in running backs, and then you hit it with CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy and, for some, Justin Jefferson, you'd rather take those skill position players than a quarterback, especially if there's a better quarterback class on the horizon. Because I can promise you that if you drafted Tua Tagovailoa early last year at Superflex, you're probably back in the same spot again. You're probably picking around 1-5 again. Which you could have ended the draft last year with Cam Akers and then a quarterback this season. It's how you identify Saquon Barkley a few years before his draft class. Plan accordingly. Start stacking those picks so you have the ammunition to move up to the 1-1 before people realize what's coming out. So look at the 2023 class. It's going to be running back top heavy. Some really good generational type running backs. If you're not following anyone on Twitter that does Debbie, follow someone on Twitter that does Debbie. I recommend at Debbie Dietz in his campus, the Canton setup. Those guys are they're on top of it. They know what they're talking about. But Debbie Dietz is a prodigy. If you want to know anything about Debbie, college players, What's on the horizon? Follow him. Know that this year is a year for quarterbacks. Next year is going to be a really good wide receiver class. The year after that is going to be a really good running back class. As long as everything goes right, there's no injuries. And you'll have surprise running backs, surprise receivers, surprise tight ends, right? Same thing this year with tight ends. This is a tight end class. This is a quarterback class. This is a tight end class. Last year, the best tight end was Cole Komet. We knew two years ago that there was a draft class with Kyle Pitts and Brevin Jordan. We knew that two years ago that this was going to be a tight end heavy class. So we had the class with Hawkinson, Noah Fant, Irv Smith. That's when you wanted to stack up on tight ends if you could. You could have got either Hawkinson or Fant early. Irv Smith, second round. Because you know the next draft class, Cole Komet, garbage. Adam Troutman, garbage. Dalton Keene, garbage. Just trying to find players that might pop. We know this year is the year for tight ends. So if you do want to reach for Kyle Pitts, if you think Kyle Pitts is that elite athlete, there's not tight ends on the horizon like Kyle Pitts. So take him. If you think that's what you need to win. There's a scenario that I might have to take him at the 1-6. If all the quarterbacks at Najee's gone. Or the top four quarterbacks at Najee's gone. And I'm left with Mac Jones. There's a good chance in one of my leagues that I might take Kyle Pitts. Because my tight ends in that league 
are Hunter Henry and Dallas Goddard. No, Rob Gronkowski. I drafted to win. Startup, Rob Gronkowski, Hunter Henry are my tight ends. So there's a scenario that I might take Kyle Pitts at 1-6. I don't think it's the right move, personally. But fantasy football, man, this is this is a fun game. You've got to be dynamic. Every league is different. Every scenario is different. If I'm stacked at every position, and it's a, a built for a win-now team, my quarterbacks are Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Sam Darnold. I can either go, potentially, if four quarterbacks are gone, I can go Mac Jones if he's there for perhaps replacing Tom Brady. But does that help me win this year? Does that help me win this year? Or do I take this 1-6, invest in Kyle Pitts if he's there, roll with Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Kyle Pitts at tight end? I mean, he's got to do better than Rob Gronkowski and Hunter Henry. And make a run at a championship year one. I don't know. It's, it's tough, man. Every league's different. you got to weigh the pros and the cons. If I don't take Kyle Pitts in that scenario, I know that one, Gronkowski is probably done next year. Hunter Henry could be toast in New England. And there's not any star tight ends coming out next year. I mean, the kid from Ohio State, I think, is going to be decent. But no one like Kyle Pitts... So you got to look at those things when you go into drafts and not just think about what's going to take place this season. Next year's quarterbacks, no, it's not that good. I mean, right now, Sam Howell, he looks like Derek Carr. Spencer Rattler, he looks like Johnny Manziel. Right? We don't know what these guys are going to do, but now you have a Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. These guys could be potential superstars and all within the top 10 picks of the NFL draft. I mean, it's an exciting time. If you pass last year on Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, or J.K. Dobbins, or DeAndre Swift, or CeeDee Lamb, or Jerry Judy, or Justin Jefferson, for two attack of Iloa, I think you made a mistake. I think you made a mistake. Because right now, you could probably go get two attack of Iloa for cheaper than you paid last year. And I actually would recommend that. Because once the Dolphins draft a receiver or Kyle Pitts or whatever, Tua's stock is going to go up. The only way Tua's stock doesn't go up is if they draft a quarterback. And that's probably not likely. So actually, I would go get Tua Tagovailoa right now if you could. I'd go get Jerry Judy right now if you could. Because if they get a quarterback, if they get a Trey Lance or Justin Fields, Judy's stock's going up. He'll be untouchable. Those are some players you want to get. How do... How does the draft impact some players? Go get those players before their, their stock is impacted positively. That's when you're buying low. Then, once that stock goes up, you're in a position to buy high. And we don't, we don't buy high at the Roto Lounge. We don't buy high. All right. You've heard me rambling. Let's talk about the rookie class. One last thing on that 2020 class compared to this year. My model, and if you don't know about my model, my running back model analyzes 23 different metrics for running back, and I'll pull it up for you. 23 metrics 
And I can tell them to you, the metrics I look for in a running back, production-wise and analytically, it's broken down into top five, top 12, and top 24 potential ceilings. And each metric is at a different setting, different threshold, based on history, what history has shown us. I don't just make these numbers up. What do these numbers look like for running backs that have hit top five seasons in years past? That's what these prospects are being compared to. Do they hit the exact same metrics as proven top five running backs in the NFL? And my mind will tell you, yes, this running back right here has the potential to hit that top five. Or this running back has the potential to hit that top 12. Or this running back has potential to hit that top 24 ceiling based on what history has shown us and what backs that hit top 24 ceilings look like. So here's what I look at. I look at receptions in college. I look at touches, the all-purpose yards. I look at how many games they played, how many receptions per game they played. I look at the percentage of their team's receiving yards. I look at the best season of that. I look at the average of that. I look at their rushing percentage um, of the offense. The, how, what, is that, what does the average of that look like? What does their best season of that look like? I look at their, their rushing college dominator. I look at receiving and rushing dominator. I look at the average of that, the best season of that. I look at their BMI, so their combine is important to me. Some people say the combine is not important. Well, damn it, for my model and my evaluations, the combine is very friggin' important because I need to know the BMI. I need to know what their 40 time is. I need to know what their height is. I need to know what their weight is, what they bench press, how high they jump, how far they jump. What does their lateral agility look like, their shuttle drill? What does their cone drill look like? What do their hand size look like? And what does their arm length look like? All those things I pull from the NFL Combine. So I need that information. And the Combine is very important for my evaluation because I can look at the last 20 years and what running backs have run under a, or over a 4.65 and hit a top five fantasy football ceiling. And the answer is zero. Or how many top five running backs have weighed Less than 194 pounds. Zero. Zero. How about this? How many top five running backs ever have jumped less than a 29-inch vertical? The answer is zero. So I know when I'm pulling running backs in at the combine, if Trey Sermon only jumped... 107 inches of the broad jump, he's not a potential top five running back in fantasy football because I've seen it the last 20 years. And if he is, he will be an outlier. Outliers happen. You have to be okay missing on an outlier because you can't predict it. But if I told you that no running back ever hit a top five fantasy ceiling had a BMI under 27.48 based on my evaluations. So I can look up these running backs and I can see whoever had the lowest BMI in my model. You get running backs like Aaron Brown, Daryl Williams, Chris Rainey, 
Lorenzo Booker. Kenny Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell measures out a 27.19 BMI. In order to hit a top five ceiling, he has to have a 27.48. Doesn't have it. In order to be a top 12 running back, 27.63. Gainwell doesn't have it. All right. Who else? Who else in that scene? Akeem Hunt. Joe McKnight never hit a top five ceiling. All right. None of those running backs. So I can go to these metrics and I can look based on history. Does that mean Kenny Gainwell is not going to be a top five ever? If he is, he's an outlier. So if I miss, I miss. It doesn't mean he can't be a top 24. Right. And we'll rank them accordingly based on this model. And then what I see is I'll say, okay, Gainwell, let me go see what you got. Let me watch a little tape and see if there's anything on tape that makes me think you can overcome that height and weight deficiency compared to other top five fantasy backs. And then I make a decision based on film as well. So I got the analytic piece and I have the film piece. And my wide receiver model is different. We'll do a, a wide receiver episode that, that's a little different than that model there. But it generates the same information. All right. How good they are. Do they have top five potential? Top 12? Top 24? Who are some comparable comps players to them based on those same analytic metrics? And I'll give that to you today. I'm going to give you my top 15 running backs with what I see on tape and their comps. All right. Let's get started here. Number one. Compared to last year's class, before Najee Harris went back, I had him as the third best back in the class. I had a Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift. Right? I thought Najee Harris was that good. As a true freshman, he outrushed uh, Josh Jacobs. Right? Watching him as a true freshman, I felt like he was a better back. I mean, he just looked like he had it all. I wish he hadn't gone back to school because it's only not for me as his age. He is a three-down workhorse back. He can catch. He can run. He's he has great lateral. Uh, uh, yep, yep, yep. That's what I'm trying to say. Lateral agility. He's got great lateral agility. I mean, he's got everything. The only thing I don't know is what his speed is, but he looks fast enough on tape. There's certain things that I don't know about him. How explosive he is, but. I found some numbers that as a freshman at Alabama, he jumped, I think, at 35-inch vert. So I can kind of see some explosiveness there. Right now, there's one running back in this class that I would want to have, and that's Najee Harris. If my big board was up of the best players in this draft, it would be Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Najee Harris. In a super flex league, without a doubt, you're taking quarterbacks. I might even take three or four before Najee Harris. Depends on what my running backs look like. But I don't think Najee Harris is that great of the best player available to take over Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. I, I wouldn't take uh, Mac Jones over Najee Harris. With that being said, in single quarterback leagues, I'm not even sold on Najee Harris number one. I mean, yeah, if you, if you need running back help, sure, why not? I'd still... Rather have a quarterback. I mean, it's, it's neck and neck probably between 
Najee and Trevor Lawrence. Even in one quarterback leagues. I mean, clearly, as long as you don't have like three quarterbacks already in a single quarter and you're just adding it. If, if you have a mediocre starter or an old quarterback or you have a young guy that you can trade, I'd trade Burrow by the number one for something and then take Trevor, Lance, Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be good. But Najee's clear and away the number one in a tier for, for by himself for me. And the model projected Najee to have a top five fantasy football ceiling. So he is number one for me. Next tier is still a top five back. The model projected this running back to have a top five potential fantasy ceiling. And that can only be for one season. But the metrics align, the production aligns based on all former top five fantasy backs. And that is Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State. I like Chuba, man. You know, he had that great 2,000-yard season, came back in COVID year, had some issues, had some issues with his coach, some immaturity issues, was was dealing with an injury for most of the season, just kind of underperformed. People expect him to break a run every time he touched the football. Didn't do that. Averaged around 94 yards a game this year, played six or seven games. But when I watch Chuba on tape, he has everything that I think an NFL star running back needs. He has breakaway speed. He has superior vision, great vision. He's able to read his blocks. He has instinctiveness, awareness to follow his blockers. He can make people miss. He can move laterally pretty good in the backfield when he needs to. The only question about him right now for me is he's not well, he's a, he's a decent pass blocker, but really his hands and his ability to be a receiver back at the next level. And we know that running backs are transitioning to the running backs that can catch out the backfield. So to really be that top five fantasy back, he needs to have the receiving chops. He just has to. And I, I think he needs to improve on that a little bit. So he's still projected top five running back, and in this class, we only had those two. We only had those two in this class. The rest are projected top 12. Looking at last year, top five, the model projected Taylor. It, it projected um, Akers. It projected Swift. It projected A.J. Dillon. Um, all would be top five potential fantasy, fantasy backs. So that company plus these two, uh, the rest of the backs were 12. I think uh, Clyde Edwards had projected a top 24. Um, so this year, top 12, my number three back in this class, Travis Etienne. He was right behind Swift, I think, for me last year. So he would have been like fifth, right? He would have been fifth back in last year's class. Uh, I think uh, because Najee and, and Etienne weren't there, I think I had Swift coming at four. So uh, he benefited just a little bit, but the rest, um, I don't think there's any other backs. So the, the, that was about it. J.K. didn't even register as a top five, I don't believe, or top 12. We'll see what his NFL career ends up looking like. All right, so next up, number three, Travis Etienne. Um, Travis has great speed. He can catch the football. There was questions a few years ago. He didn't want to catch the football. He didn't want to get hit. But he's definitely improved. And 
you know, I think he's going to be a good back in the NFL. I don't know if he's a three-down back. I don't know if he can handle three-down workload consistently. He definitely can't pass block. And depending on what offense he goes to, if he has to pass block, he's not going to see the field much. He's got to work on that. Can he? Absolutely. All right. The NFL comps him. I, I forgot to give you guys the comps. Travis Etienne, his low-end comp is LaMichael James. You remember LaMichael James? Oregon running back, went to San Francisco. We were excited about it. Thought he was electric. Thought he could do everything. Yeah, a lot of nothing. Kareem Hunt is his high-end comp. If he becomes Kareem Hunt, I think we'll all be excited about that. I don't think he's going to be become Kareem Hunt. I think Kareem Hunt's a better running back. All right, let's go back up to Chuba Hubbard. Chuba's low comp. The model spit out Jeremy Langford. Who remembers him? He played for the Chicago Bears. I think he had a really good rookie season. Thought he was going to do good the next year. Got injured or something happened. He just he just kind of fell off the map. High-end comp for Chuba Hubbard is Kenyon Drake. Will he be the next Kenyon Drake? Bouncing from team to team. Never reaching his full potential. Maybe having one breakout season. That could be Chuba Hubbard. Next, Najee. The low-end comp is Beanie Wells. Who remembers Beanie Wells from Ohio State? He was a beast. Just didn't work out in the NFL. And high-end comp for Najee is Ronnie Brown. A strong, upright runner. Great receiver. Great blocker. Uh, can kind of do everything. So that looks like a comp for Najee Harris. All right. Now to number four running back. This probably isn't number four for a lot of people. But for me, it is Trey Sermon. Uh, you know, I was never on the Javante Williams hype train, and I know Twitter got on it, and some other, you know, media is on Javante Williams. But when I watched this tape, it was decent. I mean, it was not more impressive than Trey Sermon's. Um, and I like Trey Sermon's athletic profile just a little bit better. Um, but Javante Williams hasn't by age. He hasn't by, by a year. So if you want to go Javante Williams over Trey Sermon, I'm okay with that. Trey Sermon uh, on tape. He's an excellent pass blocker. Uh, I think he's also a three-down back. Doesn't have the breakaway speed that you're looking for. I think he's around a 4-6. Uh, so he doesn't have that game-changing speed that you want your top backs to have. And uh, and that's going to limit his ceiling a little bit. Um, but I think he'd be a consistent three-down grinder, pass blocking, pass receiving abilities out of the backfield. I think he can come in from day one and be a starter. Uh, probably won't really hit his stride until season two once he gets acclimated to the speed of the NFL and he can prove that he can stay healthy. Uh, I think you'll really see Trey Sermon start to take off. And we'll see where it lands. These are all pre-draft rankings, so I don't know where these players are going to land. Um, and we'll revisit this after the NFL draft. All right. Oh, by the way, his comps. Low-end comp for Trey Sermon is Jordan Wilkins. Uh, he came out. A few years ago, and, and people were excited by him, said he looked like Matt Forte, uh, plays for the Colts, really didn't see the field much. So it didn't turn out how some thought he would as a sleeper. But Trey Sermon's high-end comp is Melvin Gordon. Uh, and that's kind of hard to believe, but Gordon didn't really run a fast 40-yard dash either. These backs are similar in build. Um, so, you know, their play style is a little different, uh, but they can do it all. Melvin Gordon can block, he can receive. He can run between the tackles. He's a three-down back. Um, Trey Sermon can be that as well. Next up, number five, Javante Williams. Uh, when I'm watching his tape, he looks like a pinball there. It looks like he's bouncing from off defenders, you know, 
And I think that can lead to, you know, some future injuries down, you know, in the NFL. So I'm kind of worried about his running style a little bit, just the way he kind of has his body exposed and he's, he feels okay to bounce off defenders um, and, and not worry about that injury potential. He reminds me a little bit when I watch him of Jordan Howard. Um, so that's why I'm not really excited about him. And I'm okay if I don't get him in my draft. Uh, because, you know, a lot of people were high on, on Jordan Howard. Um, and they thought he was the next coming for two years. And now we see that that he's a product of his offense. Um, teams can figure him out. He's not a good pass receiver. Um, not saying Javante Williams isn't, because I, I do think he is a good pass receiver. But but Jordan Howard, um, for what one reason or another, just couldn't maintain that consistency. Um, and I think Javante Williams looks like that on tape. What the model thinks is the model has his low-end comp as a Brandon Jackson. Uh, Brandon Jackson was a running back out of Nebraska. Pretty well-built, solid guy. Went to Green Bay. Had some glimpses of star potential, but just couldn't put it together. Uh, was out the league in a few years. And high-end comp for Javante Williams is Ryan Williams. Ryan Williams played for Arizona. Came out of Virginia. Right, Virginia or Virginia Tech. Um, highly touted, very, very good running back to do it all. Uh, pass, protect, catch, run. Got an NFL, had severe knee injuries, came back from the injuries, claimed he was scared to put pressure on his knee, just wasn't the same running back. Um, couldn't stay healthy. Career was over before it even started, so we don't even know what that would look like if Ryan Williams would have stayed healthy. But if Javante Williams um, produces, uh, then perhaps we know what Ryan Williams might have turned into at the NFL level. But right now, I have Devontae Williams as my fifth best back, and that's not bad. I just don't think this, this class is very good. Um, I, and I think it's a lot of just dart throws. Whoever you like, go get who you like. Don't listen to what I have to say. Who, go get Javante Williams if you like him. Uh, but I'm avoiding him. I probably won't have Javante Williams in any draft at all. Um, because if I'm on the board, Chuba's there. I know Chuba's going to be there. And Trey Sermon's going to be there. So... There is very little chance that I get Javante Williams unless he falls in the real NFL draft and people are taking Chuba and Trey Sermon over him. But even then, if he does fall in the draft, I really don't want him. Uh, number six, Kenny Gainwell. We talked about this already. The BMI knocked him out of top five potential. Uh, he's played very limited uh, at the college level. So he's one of those dart throw flyers, and there's not much below him. So I don't mind putting him here at number six. Uh, he was a three-star athlete, hasn't played much. He's still 20, I mean, he's 22 years old, and he hasn't even played that much at the college level. The model thinks a low-end comp of him is Joe McKnight. Joe McKnight was, a, you know, USC electric return man, uh, running back, pretty decent, had good hands, a uh, little elusiveness, but um, that's who the model thinks his low-end comp is, and his high-end comp would be C.J. Spiller. That's, that's, high, that's high compliment. Uh, to Kenny Gainwell, if you have a C.J. Spiller comparison. Um, so we'll see what happens there. So if you want to take a flyer on Kenny Gainwell, uh, it, you know, he's a boomer bust type prospect. You know, the model doesn't think he can make it because of his BMI, but if he adds some weight, uh, I didn't see the difference how much weight he would need to add to hit that criteria. But, um, you know, if he gets there, maybe he's a good, good potential sleeper candidate in your rookie drafts. But like I mentioned earlier, I'm not going to reach on players in this draft. I'm not going to reach on a Kenny Gamewell. If I can, if I can trade my pick and I can move it for a 2023 pick, 
which we know is going to have running backs, or even a 22 uh, pick, I'm moving it. I'm moving in this class because I'm not excited. I have my sixth best player. I'm not just, just going to waste a rookie draft pick to see if this guy is going to pan out. I'd rather use that pick in a class where the odds are much higher, uh, you know, when I'm choosing my running back or my receiver. Uh, so do not reach for players in this draft. It's not that strong. Try to move some of your picks to next year and then compound into 2023. Own your drafts. Be in control of your drafts. Have the majority of the picks. That's how you win in fantasy. You don't win in fantasy going into the draft with one or two picks and everyone else has the ability to either trade their picks for boom players or trade many picks they have to people like you that don't have picks and then they can stack picks for the next year. You want to be ahead of the game. You don't want to always be chasing your tail. So be careful of the trades that you make. Don't recklessly throw draft picks into trades. And especially don't trade draft picks for, for one-hit wonders or guys that are unproven because uh, you know, you're trying to to catch up to something. You know, you're afraid to miss out. Don't do that. Draft picks are very valuable. Make sure you stack them. And if you have any questions about draft picks, you can find me on Twitter at Roto Lounge or join my Patreon page. I can help you out. Uh, next, running back number seven, Kylan Hill. And we'll try to burn through this real quick. Kylan Hill, four-star recruit to Mississippi State. Uh, he's 22 years of age. The model, uh, low in comp, is Rod Smith. Rod Smith, I think, was from Ohio State. He backed up Zeke Elliott at Ohio State. Went to Dallas. Backed up Zeke at Dallas, too. Mm. All right, now we're going to try some... Whiskey on the rocks. Uh, so low income is Rod Smith. High income is surprising. Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch. That wouldn't be a that would be a nice ceiling to have uh, if Highland Hill could hit Marshawn Lynch type ceiling. Next number eight, Elijah Mitchell. He was only a two star, lowest rated wide receiver in the class. Two star uh, beside Jared Patterson. Two star. I uh, went to Louisiana. I'm not even sure his age. I could not find his age, so I don't know how old he is. The model likes him uh, to low in comp of Antonio Pittman. I think he played for the Packers. I think he came from Ohio State as well. Uh, and high in comp is Raheem Mostert. All right, so you might have the Raheem Mostert, the undrafted free agent that bounces from team to team until he finds his right fit. That's Elijah Mitchell. Next up, number nine. Uh, in the next tier, those are all those are all running backs that could potentially hit a top 12 ceiling in fantasy football. Uh, again, potentially, they could also all easily bust and never hit a top 24 season. You just never know. You just never know. Next tier are guys that won't even last. Michael Carter had a really good career at North Carolina. Kind of kept Javante Williams at bay for a few years until this last year. They both split time. They both... Uh, rushed for over 1,000 yards, I believe. Uh, but Michael Carter was a three-star. He's 21 years old. The, uh, the model thinks his low-end comp is Kendall Hunter. And Kendall Hunter went to Oklahoma State, was drafted by the 49ers, I believe. Um, and his high-end comp is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Look at that. Michael Carter comping to Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the high-end. Next up, number 10, Jamar Jefferson. Jamar Jefferson is a three-star running back out of Oregon State. I believe he was injured. Uh, but he's still very young. Youngest back in the class based on who I think is going to be drafted right now. 20 years old. 20 years old. Going to the NFL draft. This is someone that I would take a flyer on. 
if you can't move your pick, like a third round pick, depending on where he goes, third round pick, fourth round pick, uh, someone for your taxi squad, uh, the the uh, low end comp, the model thing, Storm Johnson. Storm Johnson was a big back out of uh, UCF. I think he was kind of slow, though. I, I'm not sure what his knock was. Maybe he wasn't slow. Maybe I'm thinking of uh, Kevin Smith. Storm Johnson had some good seasons with Detroit Lions. And the high-end comp for Jamar Jefferson is LaShawn McCoy. Uh, that's kind of exciting. But McCoy had really great lateral agility and quickness. Didn't have really a super fast straight-line speed, um, similar to Jamar Jefferson. Um, but those guys could be comparable but uh, it's going to take a lot for Jamar Jefferson to, to really hit that. Next number uh, 11 is Chris Evans, former running back out of Michigan. He was a four-star recruit. Uh, he's pretty old, though, 23 years old. The model has a low-end comp of Darius Walker and a high-end comp of Rex Burkhead. He looks much bigger than Rex Burkhead, but uh, for some reason the model thought that uh, they were comparable. So maybe Evans is much smaller than I think. Or Burkhead's bigger than I think. It just kind of hides it. All right, so let's just round out the top 12 through 15. So 12 is Garrett Patterson. Um, 13 is Ramondre Stevenson. 14 is Javian Hawkins. And 15 is Josh Johnson out of Louisiana Monroe. Some names that maybe you don't know about. All right, so let's do my running back rankings again. Number one is Najee Harris. Number two, Chuba Hubbard. Number three, Trey Sermon. Number four, whoops, number number three, Travis Etienne, my bad. Number four, Trey Sermon. Number five, Devontae Williams. Number six, Kenny Gainwell. Number seven, Kylan Hill. Number eight, Elijah Mitchell. Number nine, Michael Carter. Number 10, Jamar Jefferson. 11, Chris Evans. 12, Jared Patterson. 13, Ramondre Stevenson. 14, David Hawkins. And 15, Josh Johnson. Now, thank you for bearing with me. I know I've stuttered, made some mistakes. I'm drinking on whiskey. I've been having a good time. My wife and I, our eight-year anniversary is tomorrow. Actually, if you're listening to this, probably today, because I'm not going to edit this. I'm not going to edit this mofo. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got time for that. If I have time to sit behind the mic and talk smack, that's all I have time to do. I don't have time to sit behind the computer and edit. So if anyone wants to volunteer some edit work, I'd appreciate it. Um... And since I don't, I hope it doesn't bother you because you're just going to have to listen to me make mistakes and, and slur over my words. But maybe that's just part of the, maybe that's just part of the podcast. That's just how it is. Listen, if you're not on my Patreon, please join my Patreon. If you want to deal with me, talk about whiskey, talk about fantasy football, patreon.com, Roto Lounge, have a great group of guys there. Uh, love them, man. We talk about whiskey. We we talk about fantasy teams. Talk about the Bourbon Bowl. I'm going to have a live stream for them uh, on the draft. After the draft, we're going to talk about draft strategies, what I would do with certain picks, who I would target, when I would start looking for future draft picks, when I would start looking to trade out, things like that. So if you're not part of it, as little as $2 a month, man, you can join. Uh, and that's nothing really, man. Uh, hopefully, I can provide content that makes it worth it for you. Check me out, patreon.com, Roto Lounge. Also, find me on Twitter at Roto Lounge. YouTube, my Roto Lounge is my my channel. You know, I had big plans through those um, data film comps, and I still might roll them out. I have a couple, um, but, you know, life happens, man. I got so much stuff going on, and I can't juggle all this stuff that I really want to do. Uh, I'm trying to take care of the patrons. Um, 
bouncing that around real time job and, and, and real life issues. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, follow me and I appreciate you coming to the Row Lounge. Coming in, listen to me talk. Whether you agree or disagree, hey, maybe I can help you learn something uh, or you can listen to a perspective of somebody else um, outside of, of what you see. So hopefully this is all fun. We don't take it too serious. Um, we'll see if I'm right on any of these picks, man. That's the fun part. See if you're right, see if you're wrong, um, and kind of going from there. So thanks for tuning in. You don't got to go home, but you can stay here. Until next time, this is Brad Starks and the Roto Lounge. Cheers.